thank Jeff and Hannah for leading us so well this morning, as they always do. Man, you guys are such a blessing to our church uh, today, and uh, I don't say this probably enough, but uh, there's a couple of guys that are usually, uh, they're out in front of everybody today, but they're usually behind everybody and off in the shadows, but uh, David Baird, one of our elders, is uh, running all the sound and camera and all the things here, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, give him a shout out. And then uh, J.P. Moses right here is uh, also uh, moderating all of our online live stream comments. And he's the guy, if you're watching from home, who's uh, super friendly and engaging and always dropping the message points and uh, uh, fun emojis into the comment section. So <laughs> that's you. That's you. Hey, um, last week we started this series called Promise. And, you know, the idea behind this whole uh, the series right now is when we can sync up our, uh, our kids' curriculum and what's happening with family ministry alongside of what's happening here uh, when we gather together as adults and kids, all of our church family together. We want to do that. We want to take that opportunity. So right now, our kids and our students, they're working through this exact same series. Uh, uh, parents, you have resources that can help you engage with your kids uh, through this content as well. And so uh, this is a good time. And it's a good time as we look towards Christmas, which is hard to believe that Christmas is just a few weeks away when it's 80 degrees out here right now, but uh, we are looking towards Christmas, and it's hard to, uh, it's good to think about the promises of God, uh, what God has said, and what God will continue to do, and how we can trust Him and bank on these promises. Last week, we started with this idea that kind of uh, threads this whole series together, and that is this, because we can trust God for what He has done, when we look back on the story of God and the story of humanity, and we see how God has moved and worked, because we can trust Him for what He has done, we can trust God for what He will do. Let me say that again. Because we can trust God for what He has done, when we look back through the story of Scripture, when we look back on our lives, on the story of our lives, and we see that in death, in life, I'm confident because the power of your great love, when we see that in our own life, because of what God has done, because we can trust him for what he has done, we can trust God for what he will do. And last week we started the series by looking through the first couple of chapters of our Bibles in Genesis, uh, looking at the creation story and then the story, the tragic story of the fall. And we said this last week, the promise was God promised to fix what is broken. And, and a thread of that, a stitch of that on the fabric of the story of God is the promise that we're gonna look at today, and that is this, is that God promised his mercy. Not only did he promise to fix what is broken, but God promised his mercy on our lives. I love the quote that we looked at last week. We're just gonna come back to it every single week because I think it sums up the story of God and the story of humanity so well, and it is this. The story of the Bible is this in three statements. This is by Dane Orland. He says this, God said, I created you so that I could love you. We said, get lost. God came back and said, now I'm really going to love you. So this week, uh, we are going to look at the story of Noah. This is a very well-known story. Uh, if any of you grew up uh, in church as a, as a child, you probably looked at this story. You know this story uh, inside and out. And I want to make sure you understand the context of where we're going to be in Genesis chapter 8 and 9 today. Uh, we, we looked last week at the creation story. There's the fall. Uh, humanity begins down this path. 
And as they begin down this path, they continue to drift further and further and further away from God. Their hearts begin to turn harder and harder away from God. They begin to go from bad to worse, and God comes along and says, hey, that's enough. Creation is, has, has turned so, so black and so dark. This is not the plan. This is not the design. That's enough. And he selects Noah to build an ark, a, a giant boat, and Noah puts his family on that ark along with all other cre- uh, animals in creation. You guys have you know, sung the song, you know it two by two. You know, they, they go on to the ark. And this really was the first recorded moment of quarantine. Here you've got Noah and his family and, and their best friends, their pets, you know, the whole thing, their whole family. They get on this boat, they shut the door, and they stay inside for several, several months. And God floods the world. It's this process that God has of renewing creation, of bringing creation, like we talked about last week in Ecclesiastes, that God's put eternity in our heart. There's a longing for perfection in creation, and this is a part of that story, that God floods the world, and after some considerable time, sends these people back out of the ark after things are safe, and that is where we pick up this story. If you want to go back and read the whole story, you can go back starting in Genesis 8 and look through there and kind of catch up and read. It'll take you probably 30 minutes to read from Genesis 1 to this point, so I would challenge you to maybe do that this week, kind of get the full context for it. But we pick up here in Genesis 8, starting in verse 15. Let's read this. Then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your son's wives with you. Now, it's important to note that many times through the theme of Scripture, we see this, this, this God sending people out and giving them a mission. Remember, we talked about that last week with the story of creation and Adam and Eve. We, we see that, that even in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of despair, God calls us out into the world to go with a mission and with a purpose. God says this, Verse 17, bring out all the living creatures uh, that are with you, birds, livestock, those that crawl on the earth, and they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah, along with his sons, his wife, and his son's wives came out. All the animals and the creatures that crawl, all their flying creatures, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark by their families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of every kind of clean and every kind of clean, uh, clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and all of those who love barbecue say amen. Right there in the story of God, uh, in the story of scripture, we see God loves a good barbecue. Amen. When the Lord, there we go. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings even though the inclination of the heart is evil from youth onward and i will never again strike down every living thing as i have done as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter and day and night will not cease We've got some more here to read, so let's just continue on in this story. Let's keep following along. Uh, Chapter 9, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to him, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and the terror of you will be in every living creature on earth, unless it's a 70-pound golden retriever, and then they don't listen to you or obey you at all. 
Every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground and all the fish of the sea, they are placed under your authority. God's giving them a mission. He's giving them authority. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I, uh, as I gave the green plants, I've given you everything. However, you must not eat with its lifeblood in it. And I will require a penalty of your lifeblood. I will, will require it from any animal and from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. We talked about that last week, that we are all created in the image of God. The Imago Dei is in us, each and every one of us. Verse 7, but you be fruitful and multiply, spread out over the earth and multiply it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, understand that I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, birds, livestock, and all wildlife of the earth are with you. All the animals of the earth that came out of the ark, I will establish my covenant with you that never again will every creature be wiped out by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all future generations. I've placed my bow in the clouds. Your translation may say rainbow. I've placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form the clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds, and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and every creature on earth. A long passage, but it's important for us to understand the story, this narrative of how God is interacting with this group of people. And how God interacts, because again, if we can trust God for what he's done, we can trust him for what he will continue to do. So we see this in how God interacts here, and we can take confidence with our lives. We can take confidence in God with our lives, that he will continue to honor his covenant. He will continue to be faithful to his promises. So I want to I break this very long passage of scripture down and look at a couple things specifically. First one is this, is the person. How do we understand what's happening here with Noah? Well, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. One is, is that Noah gives us a glimpse of Jesus. It's a foreshadowing in many ways of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is on every page of the Bible. As you read through it, there is an example of Jesus, a foreshadowing of Jesus, of the coming of Jesus. And so as we look at this story, we can see that, that there is some evidence here that Noah is a, gives us a glimpse of Jesus. How do we see that? Well, the first one is this, is that we know that Noah was obedient. There, there was a sacrifice here that needed to be made, and Noah was obedient to that. He, he built this giant ark. The, the, and, then, and then what happened from there? The second thing is this, is that that provided deliverance. Noah was viewed as sort of this deliverance figure. But you see, Noah had an instrument of deliverance, was the ark. Jesus became our deliverance. 
And then the third thing that we see, and this is still so true today, is this, is that people still rejected that deliverance. People rejected it in Noah's time. He faced ridicule. He faced scorn. People made fun of him. And people still do that with Jesus today. They reject the deliverance that Jesus has provided. But the other way to view this, this text and the meaning of Noah, the person here of Noah, and I think this might be a little bit more applicable to our lives today is this, is that Noah gives us a glimpse into our own hearts. He, he gives us a glimpse into our own state of humanity. How do you say, how, how does that happen? Well, the first one is this, is that Noah had no hope. Noah himself could not deliver himself from these floodwaters that were coming. Noah had absolutely no hope. The second thing is this, is that Noah was inconsistent in his obedience. Think about that for just a minute. He was inconsistent with his obedience. Oh, he, he, he built this giant ark and he, and he obeyed God in this moment. And then for months and months on end, he's witnessed, he's firsthand witness to this amazing miracle of God in this boat. And if you go on and you read the story of Noah a little later in Genesis 9, what do you learn? That after he had seen and experienced and witnessed this amazing miracle of God, Noah failed. So many times like I do, and so many times like you do, our obedience is inconsistent. And then the third way that Noah gives us a glimpse into our own heart and humanity is this, is that mercy was extended to Noah that he didn't deserve it, he did not earn it, and yet mercy was still extended. Look at the language here in, in chapter 8, verse 21. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, remember, don't forget the barbecue. Next time you guys have a, have a, have a pork shoulder or some ribs, Shane Castellaw, I'm looking at you, on the cooker, just remember, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. He said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings. Even though, don't miss this, even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. Notice that, Jesus, uh, notice that God here didn't say, you know, if you get your life right together, if you, if you get things all put together, if, if you do the right things consistently enough, this is what I'll do for you. No. God went into this eyes wide open. He knew the hearts of humanity. He knows your heart, and yet God still extended mercy. God promised his mercy. He promised mercy even though he knew the condition of our heart, exposed with Noah. The second one is this. The second kind of idea that we want to look at in this text is not only the person, but we see the act as well. It is the act of God promising mercy. Uh, C.S. Lewis describes mercy this way. The essential act of mercy was to pardon. And pardon in its very essence involves the recognition of guilt and ill desert in the recipient. Pardon involves the recognition of guilt. If you notice back in 821, what, what did God say? The heart of, heart of humanity is evil. The heart of humanity is messed up. He recognizes that. He understands that. He gets that about you. And yet, there is still mercy extended. You might be a little confused about, you know, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Help me understand those two things. What's the difference between grace and mercy? Well, it's often been said that 
Grace is, 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 can best be explained this way. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. I think about that in the story of Noah. Noah deserved those flood waters to come down over the mountain or into the valley, wherever it was. That's what he deserved, and yet God withheld that from him and his family. In this covenant that God extended, this promise that God extended into his life, what did he say? He said, I'm going to withhold my anger. I'm going to withhold the judgment of cursing the ground in this way by sending a flood in. I'm going to withhold that, thereby I'm extending my mercy to you and to the hearts of humanity. I, I was sharing this story this morning, uh, trying to make sure that I remembered it right, but um, when our two oldest kids were, were babies, I, I think Emma, uh, who is 15 now, she was probably maybe four, maybe five, well, she would have had to have probably been four, and Ava was maybe two. And uh, we loaded up one night to go to the store. We were living in Tupelo, Mississippi at the time, and uh, we loaded up one night to go to the store and uh, go to Lowe's and we were gonna get some mulch, the bagged mulch, which you know just smells terrible, it's, it's awful. And, and the plan was is that we were gonna get the mulch and then as we were leaving, kind of the special treat for the night is we were gonna go get ice cream at Baskin Robbins. And so um, we got to the store, we got the mulch loaded up and, and it, you know, again, just the smell of bagged mulch. I mean, you know, it's just, it's bad. And Emma started, um, uh, well, she didn't like the smell, let's just put it that way. She started talking about the fact that it was stinky it was really, really stinky. And, and it escalated in her. It got to a point where it escalated. And, and I looked at Kelly and I said, we're just going home. We're not stopping. We're just going home. And, and she got upset and Ava started to get upset about, you know, the fact that it was ice cream, no ice cream now. And, and it was stinky and, and, you know, and everything. It just, you guys who are parents, you've been in that situation. You've got a five mile drive home and it feels like it's 50 that's where we were at. And it got so bad, I pulled the car over to the side of the road. And I, and I got to the back seat, and, you know, and Emma knew, like, you know, hey, punishment was coming. This was, this was getting ready to, you know, punishment was getting there. And I said, Emma, I, I got right down and kind of right in her face, looked at her, and I said, Emma, I'm going to extend grace to you tonight. And I said, do you know what grace is, honey? And she looked at me, she's crying, you know, she stopped, kind of red blotchy face from crying hysterical. And she said, is Grace getting ice cream? You know, that's where she was. And for many of us, when it comes to grace and mercy, getting something that we do not deserve, and yet God withholding from us what we do deserve, Many times we can look at it in that way. Many times we can look at it and be thankful that God has done that, that God has made a promise to Noah and to his descendants and to creation, the promise of mercy. Back in 821, if you look at 821 and then 822, let's look at this again. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings even though the inclination of our heart is to be in the back seat, kicking and screaming and crying because we didn't get what we wanted. Even though the inclination of the heart, the human heart is evil from youth onward, I will never again strike down everything, every living thing I, as, as I have done. As long as the earth endures, 
Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. This is a powerful promise that God has made us. It's a powerful promise that God has made creation. And for those reasons, and we look through the history of time, it gives us confidence in this, is that only God is the one who can make this promise. Think about that for just a minute. Only God is the one who could make this promise for our lives. God is not the one that has evil in his heart, does he? We are the ones that have evil in our heart. God could make the flood, uh, could, could flood the earth if he chose to and destroy every living thing. We could barely overflow the bathtub. He makes the seasons change. We're reminded here from the covenant with, that God has with Noah. He makes the seasons change and hold that power in his hands. You know how we make the seasons change? We drag 37 boxes of Christmas decorations downstairs when it's 80 degrees and decorate for Christmas the first week of November. That's how we change the seasons, but yet God causes the leaves to turn, the winter to come with snow or ice, sludgy ice here in Memphis. He causes the flowers to bloom and summer to come. That is not something that we can promise. We can't keep up with God in that way. And I want you to know this, is that mercy is a bad deal for God. It's a great deal for us. And that should cause thanksgiving in our hearts. That should cause joy in our lives. When we sing a song like, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. That mercy that God extends to us, it's a bad deal for God. Why? Because mercy always involves sacrifice. Mercy always involves sacrifice. God withholding his displeasure, God withholding judgment on the earth involves sacrifice. By not giving them what they deserve, God is making a sacrifice in this moment. And this promise that God made to Noah, and this promise that God made to humanity and to all of creation, extending mercy that crescendoed all the way to Jesus. This, this is, a, this is, a, this is a, a glimpse of what was coming with Jesus. That the covenant that God was gonna make with, with humanity, the covenant that God was gonna make with his people, how God was gonna fulfill this promise and keep this promise, crescendoed into the life and the sacrifice of Jesus. The Apostle Paul highlights this in Romans chapter 3. You may be familiar with this text. He writes this. He says, The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. And don't miss this, because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. This promise of mercy culminated, it crescendoed 
with the life and the ministry and the sacrifice of Jesus that he gave with his life. Paul also writes to this young pastor in the book of Titus. And he he writes this in Titus chapter three. Listen to this. Remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey and be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. And then what does Paul do? Paul reminds Titus and he reminds us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, this was our old life. Listen to what he writes. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, detesting, hateful and detesting one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. And I love that Paul puts this in there. He says, not by works of righteousness that we had done, not by our good works, not by, not by you know, abstaining from these things and doing enough good on one column and not having enough bad on the other column. No, he says, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs. That's our promise. We may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. You can bank on this statement. I want you to insist on these things. Come back to them. Keep talking about them. Keep preaching them to yourself insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. Mercy is costly. It costs Jesus his life. For us to receive the mercy that we've received from God in in 2020 in our lives, it costs Jesus his life. And lastly, and this is important, and I wish we could just take a whole day and talk about this because it is, it is so important for our lives to understand this. We, we've got the, the person, we see the act, and now we've got the sign. Very quickly, verse 12 of chapter 9. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and every living creature with you. A covenant for all future generations. I have placed my bow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and and the earth. And he goes on and he begins to explain. And he begins to talk about how he's going to remember. And he wants us to remember when we see this sign, we would see his mercy. We would see, we would be reminded of God's mercy. And there's a pattern in the Bible. And this is important as followers of Jesus. This is important for us to understand. There's a pattern in the Bible that often that when God makes a promise, there is a sign that accompanies that promise to remind us of the promise that God has made. Think about it. Here, we get this this mercy promise. And what is the sign? It's a rainbow. That every time it rains, and we look in the sky and we see that rainbow, that is a sign from God that he has extended mercy to his creation. 
Just a few chapters later, we see Abraham. And we see this sign of circumcision, this idea that, that we're set apart, that, that people are set apart for the purpose and the use of God. In Moses, what do we see? The sign is the Sabbath. This idea of not only resting, but also trusting. They, they didn't have Aldi, they didn't have Costco, they didn't have Walmart, they didn't have Target that they could just run down and stock up on whatever they needed. They had to work the ground for survival. And God said, you are not going to work the ground one day a week. You are going to rest, and thereby your resting is going to show the world, I am your God and that you trust me. And then once again, it's, it's kind of like the, 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 same, the same verse. This all culminated in Jesus. This all just crescendoed up, this building of these promises, this, this building of the foreshadowing of, of the coming of Jesus. It all crescendoed up to Jesus. And what do we see in Jesus? We see the sign of the cross. Or maybe another way to say that, we see the sign of the love of a Savior. Every time we look to the sky and we see that rainbow, we can be reminded the sign of remembrance that God has promised his mercy and that came to this miraculous crescendo, this miraculous collision, whatever word, whatever metaphor, ever how you want to describe it, this all came to a, a place in the person and the work and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So here's the question I want to ask our lives today. As we've heard all this, we, we've kind of heard a survey in many ways of this idea of mercy, the idea of promise and covenant and, and these signs. We, we've heard about the sacrifice and how Noah sort of gave us a glimpse into our own heart and our own life. The question would be is this, is are we moved by mercy? Think about that for just a moment in your own life. Are you moved by mercy? Does the mercy of God just cause you to pause and to go, oh, God, thank you. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. I wanna be real clear just for a moment. This is not God withholding good things. James, the, the, the book of James is very clear that all good things come down from the Father of lights. He, he's not withholding provision and, and care for his children. No, 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 this is not that. This is God withholding wrath. This is God withholding judgment. This is God withholding what we do deserve because of his kindness and his love for us. And so because of that, are we moved by mercy? Are we moved by the mercy that God has extended towards us? And are we moved to a place that we are willing to embrace the mercy of God and therefore have our lives changed by the mercy of God and extend that mercy towards others? So there's two things I wanna challenge you in this morning. The first one is this, is have you received God's mercy? You've experienced God's mercy, but have you received it? Have you paused just to thank God for the mercy that he's extended to your life, to embrace that mercy, to, let, to, to come to terms with that mercy? That yes, it's a free gift for us, but it is costly 
to him. And then the second one is this. Who do you need to extend mercy towards? Can I be real candid? There's never been a time, a better time for the followers of Jesus, for the salt and the light, for the ones who have been commissioned to be the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, there's never been a better time for us as followers of Jesus to extend mercy to those around. There's never been a better time as followers of Jesus for that neighbor or that family member who had a sign in their front yard that was a different candidate than the one you went and voted for, and now you dread Thanksgiving because of that reason alone, there's never been a better time to extend mercy. There's never been a better time to extend mercy to people that are on social media. And maybe the most merciful thing that you could do is just shut it off. God has extended his mercy in and on our lives. And that mercy should change us. And if it doesn't, see point number one there. See challenge number one. Have you really received God's mercy? Have you come to terms with God's mercy on your life? God has promised his mercy to humanity because of a changed heart, a heart that has been captivated and changed because of that mercy. Let's extend mercy to each other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of mercy. Thank you for the, the gift that you gave us with your mercy. And I pray that our hearts would be deeply moved by the mercy that you've given each one of us. And that we would be willing, we would be bold in extending mercy, extending mercy to those around us. We love you. Thank you for your goodness. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.